What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. It is myself and Mark Higgins recapping the last two weeks in the NHL. A lot has gone down since our last hockey pod. The Bruins are red hot. The Flyers have COVID. A good amount of the American teams have COVID. We talk all about that. We talk about the Canadian division being incredible. Teams that are on fire. Teams that are ice cold. Players that are streaking. Players that are MIA for the most part. And whatever the hell happened in Columbus this past weekend. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice five-star review. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram is where you can find all of my rants about the Flyers and other sports happenings. The Bullpen Card Facebook group is where you can be a part of the conversation. But enjoy this week's episode, everybody. Let us know what you think. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me for the third straight time, Mr. Mark Higgins. How are you, my friend? Doing well, Jordy. Thanks for having me again, going for the hat trick here. Yeah, love it. Well, we don't have Greg this week. He's uh, off doing God knows what. So we had to, you know, we were going to have you on anyway, obviously, you know. We've you know got our group chat. I have an iPhone now, so now we have an iPhone group chat. I finally feel part of a club for once. Greg's probably going to give us a lot of sh- me a lot of shit for not having one again. But you know now I've joined the club, so now we you know happy to have you on, and you know excited to talk some hockey because we uh, will jump into it in a minute with uh you know I got I missed out last night with the Flyers, but before we do that, you know we talked about the Super Bowl at the end of the last show. Tom Brady pulled it off. He got his seventh title, Mark, as a uh, Patriots fan. How do you feel about that? I mean, I love it. He's the, uh, he already wants to go, but this just solidifies it for everybody else. Um, he's, you know, amazing. I don't have words to describe him. I mean, uh, right before you signed with the Bucks, uh, my cousin and I, Paul, got season tickets, um, and then Gronk signed. Um, and unfortunately, we couldn't go to any games this year, but – uh, they're reimbursing us for next year. So the value of those puppies just went up big time. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. So you, so they had fans of the Super Bowl. Are you going to be able to – were you able to sign or sell some? Not sign some. Sell some this year, and you think you're going to be able to for next year? So they didn't allow fans this year, so we couldn't really do anything about that. Oh, uh, it was only the that. Super Bowl? Um, yeah, only the Super Bowl. I think we had to uh, pay money just to have a chance to get them, uh, which we didn't do. But uh, – yeah, next year should be interesting. Hopefully, uh, COVID's gone away into normal normal season, but we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, I uh, you know I'm hopeful about all the stuff with the vaccine rollout that it's starting to pick up after a little bit of a slow start. I obviously have a little skin of the game since I'm getting married in a couple months, and then my big the big party is in December, so I'm hoping by the fall. This is an afterthought and all that stuff. But yeah, it was an it was an awesome game. We're gonna do Maddie D and I are gonna do a full recap and reactions and everything tomorrow night thursday night so actually when you're listening to this get your questions in facebook group instagram all that good stuff twitter um you know i thought it was a really good game to just give it a, a quick or actually i didn't think it was a really good game i thought it was a really good performance by tom brady uh boring game but tom brady looked awesome gronk looked awesome um but we'll talk about that more but mark you also we i 
or rather I was on Instagram cruising, saw you had a little trip to the pond and played a little puck this weekend. You want to uh, give us a little story time about that? Yeah, sure. I'll, uh, I'll be quick about it. It's um, the New England Pond Hockey Classic on Lake Winnipesaukee. I think it's the 12th year uh, they've been doing it, um, and it's becoming bigger and bigger every year. Sometimes they have 26 drinks going at a time. Um, all different divisions with all different age groups. But uh, obviously this year uh, it was a lot smaller due to COVID. I think it, they had half the rinks going. Oh, wow. Uh, but still a great time. Uh, temperature, the weather was perfect. Um, it snowed during one of my games, and the, we kept losing the puck, like mid-game, middle of the ice, just lost it. But uh, my squad did well. We finished uh, 4-0, and um, and then entering the playoffs, we won our first game and then lost our second game. So 5-1 record. Had a blast on and off the ice. Um, it's a great time. And they're, they're supposed to do it again on Lake Champlain of Vermont this weekend. But um, Vermont's COVID protocol, protocols aren't allowing it. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I uh, you know, being from Pennsylvania, we get either these mild winters or we get a little period of time of one of which we're in right now. Of We get dumped on with snow and then you hope that it sticks around, that you're able to play a little pond hockey and uh, – you know, because of COVID, hadn't really gotten a chance to get out, but love getting out there. So I'm glad. I'm glad somebody did. <laughs> I'm glad you had yeah. a good time with that. We uh, we certainly missed Greg P there. Uh, he's the heart and soul of our team. So just a shout out to him. I know he's not on here today, but he'll be listening. Uh, we missed you up there, buddy. But uh, still a great time. It's, it's a great event. That's good to hear. I'm sure Greg brings uh, the laughs and you had any sort of contact. I'm sure Greg brings some of the hits. Yeah, sometimes people get hit over the boards. Uh, I saw an old guy get crushed, but uh, not for me this year. It didn't happen. But oh, that's sometimes, sometimes it gets a little physical. Uh, start chirping a little bit, but uh, it's all it's all in good fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, not some of the weekend softball tournaments I've played where guys are wearing fucking what they think are like sponsored jerseys. It sounds like a little more uh, a little more fun, a little more casual. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Uh, but we mentioned COVID, and I mentioned it at the top of the Flyers. You know, we've had a little news with the coronavirus and everything there. We mentioned it last time of some games getting postponed, but the last two weeks have probably been the, the biggest brunt of it, of teams getting delayed. It started with, you know, Buffalo and New Jersey getting delayed, and the Devils and the Sabres still haven't played games. Um, out West, we've gotten a crazy scenario there of, the Avalanche and Wild played a week ago, and then they both entered the protocol, and their games have been postponed to the fact that the Blues and Coyotes have ended up playing each other, uh, or no, it's, um, have now en- ended up playing each other seven times in a row, sorry, I'm looking at a number of different names here, um, which they just played their fourth game in a row, which is insane to think about in that, that regard. And just how everything's shaken out with it, the the virus had ended up, there was somebody who entered the protocol, uh, Sanheim entered it on Sunday, and it ter- turned out that there was someone else who was contact traced, who the Flyers, with a statement from the NHL, put out something on Sunday night after the Flyers beat the Capitals, that something was going on. Now the Flyers have entered the protocol as a team, their games have been delayed, their games against New Jersey were already delayed because of the Devils' issues with it. So, Mark, COVID's uh, really taken a toll on, on the NHL right now. Vegas had been in it, but just came out of it. They played last night against the Ducks in a wild game. I'm not sure if you caught any of the, the box score with that, but the Ducks came back from a 4-2 deficit late, and Vegas ends up winning in overtime. But, Mark, COVID's really uh, 
really cutting into the schedule so far this season. Yeah, I know. Since our last podcast a couple weeks ago, I mean, in, in the past 10 days alone, uh, I'm looking at a stat here on NHL.com, six teams have uh, been shelved due to pandemic precautions, and that's Vegas, Buffalo, Jersey, Minnesota, Colorado, and then Philadelphia uh, yesterday. Um, so that's been causing uh, rescheduling of 31 games for all those teams. Um, and then obviously no Canadian teams have suffered because of that. And then I, I put a little stat together. Um, there's only seven teams in the Canadian division and they've played just as many games combined as pretty much all the other teams who all have eight teams in their division. So Canadian North division have played 94 games this year in seven teams. And then, I mean, the East, where our, our teams are, Boston and Philly, eight teams in that division, only 88 games played. So that's just wild to me. Um, yeah, to be expected, insane. though, because Canada's locked it down pretty well. Um, but, yeah, just a been cra- crazy year so far. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you hit the nail on the head that it was to be expected. You know, we saw this. We've seen this a little bit with every sport. Of The NBA's had it going on a little bit where, you know, we even saw it as – early as last Friday where Kevin Durant had been in contact with somebody. Then he gets on the bench, goes into the game. Then he has to get pulled. Now he's still in the protocol. So there's crazy stuff that's happening all over, you know, good, good on Canada that they've been able to have zero delays and what they've been doing. And it's even more impressive by the fact that they're going from, you know, coast to coast. They have Vancouver all the way to Montreal and they're able to get this all done. So just all props to them. I'm not saying teams aren't following the proper protocols. Obviously we talked about the Russian COVID last week with what was going on with Ovi and all those guys. And they've come back. They've, they looked very solid on Sunday, but um, you know, it's, it's kind of like you said, to be expected. So, you know, hopefully teams are taking it a little more seriously and figuring out, you know, what to do and all this stuff. I know the NBA increased some of their protocols with masks and stuff like that. I don't know how necessarily the NHL could enforce masks on a bench, but I'm sure they're going to come up with some sort of way to try to continue to make this more and more safe. Yeah. You touched on the Washington thing a couple weeks ago. I mean, what did they, they got, they all got suspended for being in the hotel room together. Right. Yeah. And I saw a picture of, all the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're on the road in Nashville during the Super Bowl in a room together. Um, you know, that they're not at the rink there. They're all getting together as a group. Granted, they had masks on, but, like, I'm not really sure what the COVID protocols are off the ice. Just something to note. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah, there definitely need – there probably needs to be clarifications for us. I'm sure there's something that's you know, the Players Association has sent out to the players of – Hey, here's what's okay. Here's what's not okay. Maybe masks are just the big difference maker. Uh, but they also did the whole, now we're not letting guys show up until, is it an hour or 90 minutes beforehand? And, you know, instead of as early as they want. And, and that's kind of an inconsistent message, I feel like, just because if you're going to be, you know, try to reduce the amount of times you're seeing guys outside of the rink, you know, what what's really the difference there of if it's an hour or if it's two hours or three hours beforehand, you're still seeing them and you're still in close proximity, if anything, stagger when they go in the locker room. I guess to, for when they're changing, if you're really that afraid of them all having contact and, and then do the crazy baseball benches where you have guys sitting in the stands, but they're not doing that. And that'd be, it's pretty unrealistic to do that for hockey. So I don't know what, uh, you know, there's stuff that we're not hearing as fans that I'm sure they're hearing, but yeah, the, the stuff with you, know, that's a really good point of bringing up the, the lightning versus the capitals and all that of how they can, uh, find out their news. Yeah, I feel like they're just changing the rules every day. No one really knows what the heck's going on. Um, 
you'd think that the rink would be the safest place for them to be, but now they want them to be there at a limited amount of time. Um, I don't know. Weird stuff. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I don't know. The Maybe it's something with the people who work there. I don't know. And the fact that, that the players are traveling and they're not. I don't know. It's it's, But it's definitely, if it is something where they're changing you know, the protocol every day or you know, not every day, but frequently that, that it is something where they're kind of going with the flow and figuring out kind of what they need to do there. I know like the flyers, for instance, they've really made protocols to step up their HVAC and their different ventilation programs. So hopefully more and more stadiums, both, you know, multi-purpose like the flyers and Bruins have with the Celtics and Sixers and that are hockey specific and basketball specific, frankly, are continuing to do that. So hopefully, you know, whether it's an injection from the NHL or various teams, owners, whether they be corporations or billionaires are doing that. So hopefully, you know, it, it continues to get safer. Agreed. But, you know, we, we talk about all of this and another topic from two weeks ago that we talked about a little bit was the trade of Patrick line to Columbus and Dubois to Winnipeg. Dubois made his debut last night. Nothing too impressive. Dash one, one hit that ESPN isn't even recognizing. Only Yahoo is, apparently. <laughs> and he went three for nine on faceoffs. But in Columbus, Patrick Line so far as it's been an experience. Let's put it that way, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw him on the power play just unleash a Ovechkin like one time or yeah. top shelf. Um, guy's a world class sniper, three goals, four games. Um, and then just last night, or the other day, he's getting benched in the third period by Torts. Uh, Greg's texting us yesterday, what's up with Torts? Why is he always benching his star players? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then we come to find out he, uh, line A, mouthed off to one of the assistant coaches, which is why he got benched. But um, I guess all reports are that everything's fine now. Um, they're on good terms. And hopefully he keeps sniping moving forward. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's... It's good that Columbus is starting to get some some uh, turnaround for it with him and and I'm sure well I'm sure Dubois will you know, figure his uh, figure his legs out from Winnipeg. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, the I'm not sure if quarantining is at the same level of COVID protocol. This is something that Shane Gossespierre had to do with uh, when at the start of the season with the Flyers coming off COVID. But if you're in COVID protocol, you can't be at the rink, you can't be skating even on your own or anything like that. So I don't know if in quarantine if Dubois was just sitting in a hotel room somewhere in Winnipeg, just hanging out. So it's probably something where he's, you know, just finding his legs. I don't know exactly what happened, but I heard that, uh, yeah, he couldn't skate and he just watched film on all the games Winnipeg's played this year. Oh, wow. Uh, just studying guys uh, left and right. But I'm not really sure what he was doing to work out or keep in shape, but uh, it might take him a little time here to get going. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that, but it was definitely a, uh, it's good that we're starting to see the the slow burn of that trade. But we're not done with Columbus news because Saturday, the Columbus Blue Jackets playing the Carolina Hurricanes. Kind of an interesting game going on, Mark. Do you see what happened with this, with this replay that uh, that occurred at the end of a period? I was looking it up today. I didn't see it because I was uh, playing in that pond hockey tournament. No. Uh, having, having a blast up there. But I uh, was looking into it today. What, what happened? He... Um, they were offsides, and then they scored on the power play, and then yeah, they were, did they not score? They score. There was a goal scored. It was overturned. For, it was overturned. They said he was offsides, and they challenged it to say no, we were on sides. It was something that got waved off, 
and the challenge came back unsuccessful. So they got a penalty. The period ends and they go and Toronto comes back and says, oh, no, 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 they weren't offside. So the penalty gets waved off. They come back to the next period, even strength, but no goal still. And then it comes out after the game being like, no, they should have gotten the goal and all this stuff. And Columbus ends up losing the game. This is on Saturday. And then Sunday's the game line. I got benched on and they get you get everything figured out and, and all all's there. But no goal from it. Columbus got completely screwed. They lost the game. And then, you know, thankfully they win on Sunday night despite line a getting benched. But man, what a weekend in Columbus for hockey fans, I guess. Yeah, I mean. Not much usually is happening in Columbus hockey, so I mean I, they're getting a lot of attention right now. Yeah, um, and I think that rules was implemented last year, the challenge on the offsides thing, and then if you get it wrong, it's a penalty. It's either but, two or three um, years old. Yeah, I'm sure that stuff's going to keep happening. Um, I don't, I, I don't mind it, but I, I sometimes the old school of me thinks that it just should be the ref's call. Yeah, I. I don't like when it gets boiled down to like microsecond by microsecond. They almost had that in the Flyers playoff series against the Islanders last year, where the Islanders third goal Flyers blow lead. Surprise, surprise. We'll talk about that in a little bit with the Flyers Bruins, but um, you know, the, it, it might've been that I think it was Anders Lee was offsides and it looked like, you know, the tip of his skate may or may not have been off the ice, which now is no penalty. They changed that up finally that it's a plane yeah. like in football it doesn't have to be on the ice. But, it, you know, and I'm sitting there being like, this is ridiculous. Just keep the goal. Let's go to overtime. Ended up happening. The Flyers won in overtime. It's so facto. But, yeah, it's, I don't know, when it, when you're breaking it down to, like, still frame by still frame to figure this kind of thing out, just let the game keep flowing. I'm sure the players, I'd love to hear a guy uncandidly speak, or candidly speak, English isn't my strong suit, say, you know, oh, I, you know, I don't like that it slows it down. I just want to get back out there and rebound from this thing, you know, when, you, the wind's already taken out of our sails. The you know the goal got scored. We don't need it taken out more when we're itching to try to you know bounce back from this. I'd love to hear somebody say that because I'm sure a lot of guys think that. Yeah, um, and like you said, now that you don't have to have your skate on the blue line exactly, it can be uh, up in the air a little bit. I think that's I like that more than what it was before. But um, yeah, still a wild weekend in, in Columbus. Yeah, insane stuff. We mentioned a little bit the Flyers. Played the Bruins last week. We'll do a little combined Flyers-Bruins talk. Because there is Flyers talk to have, even though they didn't have their game last night against the Capitals. Uh, Flyers-Bruins played twice. Flyers were the reverse retros last Wednesday, which I've said this to a few people, including our mutual buddy Goldberg, that I enjoy them more than I did when they first got announced. I think they look cool. The burn orange is sweet. Um, but in both games, or actually the second second game, they technically blew the lead. It was one nothing. But in both games, technically... Flyers blow lead. First game though, pasta. Oh my God, Mark, this guy, I, you know, we all obviously all knew that he was such an excellent goal scorer leads the game off with that incredible goal. I talked about in the Instagram rants that I'm doing. If you don't follow those Thunderbug sports on Instagram, uh, but what a first goal. And then the guy just took over in the third period. You mentioned it of a guy in Chicago. It was that type of individual performance last Wednesday. So, I mean, pasta has been, I don't know if uh, the Bruins have been playing well before he came back, but he really has been the supercharge to the team, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, he's a stud. He's exactly what they, they needed to input into the lineup. Four games so far, five goals, three assists, so two points a game he's averaging. Um, you know, guy's an absolute stud. What is he, only 24 years old? Still, um, 
he's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, the Bruins have been playing really well. I uh, last week I think they were down three goals, three games in a row, and they came back to secure points in all of them. Yeah. Uh, two wins and they lost an OT in, or a shootout in one of them. But yeah, that's just that veteran leadership they have, you know, the belief they're never going to die. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy about the Bruins. They have some young D that are that are, are new this year that have looked pretty good. Uh, still worried about uh, their depth and scoring. Uh, pretty top heavy on offense with guys like Marshawn Bergeron, Pashanak, Krejci. Uh, Nick Ritchie's been a been a nice surprise this year. He came ready to play. Um, nine points in 11 games. Uh, seven of seven of those nine points have been on the power play. So uh, he's got that net front presence, that big body um, that's always going to be there in hockey. It's not going to be always small, fast skill guys. You still need that grit uh, around the net. I've liked his game so far. And then uh, the goalies have both been playing really well, oh, Halak yeah. and Rask. I've liked them both. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty happy about the Bruins. Um, and hopefully they keep it going tonight against uh, the Rangers. Yeah, hopefully. You know, the Rangers have struggled a little bit. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Uh, both their young studs, Capucaco and Lafreniere, have been uh, off to slow starts. But who knows? Maybe it's just a, a Jack Hughes situation where, obviously, Lafreniere, number one overall pick, Kako uh, coming right after him. But slower starts, slower burn to the start of their career before uh, taking off. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Bruins are in a really good spot. I think, as you mentioned, goalies have been excellent, which – you know, that's, that's a big part of what you need. The young D is certainly something that uh, you know, you're glad to have and everything there. Kevin Miller, shout out our boy. Uh, he looks awesome. Just a complete physical presence there. Um, and, and you mentioned a little bit with the depth. I think, if you know, hopefully it starts to come around a little more. You know, guys like Charlie Coyle have looked pretty good so far. And if they continue to, you know, build on that and go, I think the, the top heaviness May not be as big of an issue. Kind of on that same note, though, and, and wrapping back to the three-goal leads, uh, they did that against the Capitals, which is a team who defensively I have not been impressed with at all. And offensively they've been pretty good, but then I don't know if it's because they're so top-heavy, you know, that that top three line, that or the top line of three players. They had 11 points in two periods against the Flyers on Sunday, and then the rest of their offense just was kind of a ghost almost, and it seemed that way with the, against the Bruins, too, where they blew those leads. I don't know. Do you think that's something that if you're so top heavy and the rest of your team isn't performing, that that eventually catches up to you? Or is it kind of something where the top line is saying, hey, we got you guys now. We know that you guys are going to help us when we're not scoring or kind of a mix of both. How do you, how do you think about that? I mean, yeah, it has been a problem for them in the past. I mean, if you go against, you know, a shutdown, shutdown pair of D on another team or a shutdown line and, and that line, the Bergeron Marshawn line, Pasta, if they're shut down, you know, Bruins are in trouble. Um, it's happened in the past, and sometimes they try to put uh, Pasta on Krejci's line, and then, you know, both those two lines don't really do anything, so then they end up having to put Pasta back on the first line. Um, and and it, they do run into some trouble when they go against a good defensive team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Craig Smith and Coyle have looked good, but uh, I feel like the Bruins have been searching for that second-line winger for Krejci for years now since, like, since Horton and Lucic back in the day. Ethan um, Horton. Oh man. What I a mean, name. they've been, they've been searching for that, for that winger for Krejci forever and they still haven't found him. So I'm a little bit worried about the depth scoring for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys like Craig Smith, Coyle, Corrali need to step up on um, DeBrusque. Definitely. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Pretty happy with the Bruins so far. Um, yeah, not be. much more to 
touch on that. And yeah, shout out to Kevin Miller. He's been a stud. Hopefully he stays healthy. He's a beast back there. Um, he's looked what he's looked really good. Almost positive he doesn't listen, but love to have you on, Kevin, if you ever do. Berkshire <laughs> Pride. Uh, but we mentioned the Flyers at the top of it. They lost those two games against the Bruins. Mark, now, the Flyers are 8-3-2. and two. They have five losses on the year. All four or four of the five are against the Bruins, which is hysterical. Uh, but they bounce back. Solid W over the Capitals on Sunday. We're down 2-0 early, 2-1 at the end. 4-4 at the end of the first. 4-4 by the end of the second. 7-4 is the final. Sean Couturier comes back and looks awesome right out of the gate. Uh, one game they bench Konechny. It's been a kind of wild couple weeks of how everything's gone for the for the squad. JVR, we mentioned it two weeks ago. Jersey James against those two games against the Devils looked awesome. Scored all those goals. That that hot streak stayed continue stayed continue stayed intact and has looked great. Um, the offense has looked pretty fun. The defense. I've said this a lot in the the Instagram rants. Uh, it's been less than stellar. You know, Provorov still looks pretty solid. Gostas Bear is with him now and, and looks good at times, but turns the puck over a lot. Uh, the rest of the D, I think, is kind of all over the place. AV has done a interesting job, at times excellent, at times not so much, of moving the the other guys, kind of rotating the, the other four, or the, or the bottom four, not the top, out of the top six, of the six, the bottom four, he rotates between five guys, moving guys in and out. Um, I'd like to see a little more out of Gustafson, except at times he, he has been shaky, so I can see why maybe he brings in a, a Sanheim when Sanheim's not on the COVID protocol. Um, Phil Myers is finally back and healthy too, so I think that's part of it is that there was some injuries at the start of the season. Um, now, the one thing to be a little concerned about if you're a Flyers fan is Carter Hart, and he's still on that little bit of a slow start. We saw that a year ago where he... First month and a half of the season had been a little slow. Uh, thankfully, that the Flyers and the games that he has struggled, really aside from the the Buffalo loss and the one Bruins loss, two of their three regulation losses, um, that he, the Flyers have picked him up when he's let up some some soft goals. The first game against the Penguins, even that game, you know, the first goal against the the Bruins the other week. I know they end up losing that in overtime, but he lets that in, and the Flyers pick him up there. Then he catches fire a little bit, so he's been a little streaky. I'm sure as a Carter Hart, not even apologist, because there's nothing to apologize for, but a Carter Hart super fan that he is going to pick it up, get back closer to that career average of less than three goals a game above a nine ten save percentage that that's going to get going, but definitely something to keep an eye out on Brian Elliott. We're starting to get what you give of Brian Elliott, that second goal on Friday night against the Bruins, a little more Brian Elliott esque. Uh, if you're not sure what I mean, look up Brian Elliott versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. Watch any of those highlights because he lets up some pretty soft goals there. But I'm pretty happy with they with where they are, and I could think of a thousand more complaints that I have. Specifically, their breakout needs to be a lot better, and I will die on that hill. But I'm pretty happy with the Flyers, Mark. How do, how do you feel watching them against the Bruins and any other highlights you might have seen? Yeah, I've only watched them, um, just highlights of them on NHL Network, and then um, live only against the Bruins, but I mean, just a lot of depth on offense there. Um, you know, and JVR, he's fourth in the NHL in points right now. That's amazing. It's probably the best start he's ever had. Uh, 18 points in 13 games. Um, that's incredible. Um, and then what do the Flyers have? Five players with at least 10 points, and that's mm -hmm. not even including Couturier and Konechny. Um, and welcome back, Couturier. He's got what? Uh, 
four points in three games. Yep. So, I mean, it's almost like the opposite of the Bruins or the Flyers of so many guys that can contribute. Um, and then Joel Farabee's nice hat trick the other day. I saw some of those goals. Philly uh, nice Joel, coming baby. Out, nice coming out party for the 20-year-old there. Um, Scott, and what, Scott Lawton was points. Sunday, yeah. And they also have uh, – I think JVR had one as well. And, yeah, it's been awesome. It's been so much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, Farabee, this kid could be the real deal. 12 points, 13 games. Uh, what do you think of his play? I've loved him since uh, since a year ago in his rookie year where he immediately gets inserted to this line with Konechny and Kevin Hayes and the, these two Boston guys plus Konechny just turn into this physical presence that scores at will. Hayes, who just bullies guys in front of the net, and Farabee, who just crashes the net hard. And you see that play. You saw it against the Bruins. Uh, you know, where he ended up scoring in one of those games. And he played, you know, they play with that attitude that Philadelphia fans really do resonate with and quickly becomes a fan favorite. I said Philly Joel. There's a guy who has a literally a textbook's worth of, of uh, signs that he held up one after one of his goals a couple or uh, in the beginning of last year. So a guy who came in right away, fought for his place in the lineup, was there a little quieter in the playoffs, so I'm glad that he's starting off hot this season and doing really well in his second year in the league. You know, a lot of the times, younger guys, especially in you know in the history of the Flyers, have had that kind of thing, including Konechny, where he had a pretty stellar rookie season and kind of went away his second year, not totally. Um, and then two years ago, really, when the, uh, the Flyers were really out of it, you know, Carter Hart's rookie year were there. He's winning, you know, he's getting all the news, winning rookie of the month and all that stuff. Connecting, quietly putting together a solid second half of the year scoring. And then last year, really cementing himself as a, a premier player for the Flyers. But other guys like a Vili Leno, a guy who in 2010 in that cup run they made, you know, has a ton of points that never really does anything. Scott Lawton, a, Scott Lawton, a, Scott Lawton, uh, a guy who the Flyers had a lot of high hopes for and looked good in a, in a couple different playoff series as younger on and now has finally proven himself to be this leader of the bottom six. He looked really good in the playoffs last year, hat trick this past Sunday. So wrapping it back to Farabee, I think it's a nice mix between the two, putting himself as a nice, you know, second line wing. And if they need to mix up the lines, which AV has done a couple different times, you know, he could probably go a little lower. He might even be able to go a little higher in the lineup and, and see how they mix there. So what they're doing is is pretty exciting on the front end, the back end with defense. You know, I mentioned it. I, I don't mean to keep harping on it, but it does need to step it up a little bit. But when the when there's depth and guys in your fourth line that are stepping up to uh, help out the, the rest of the boys, you got to be pretty excited about that. And that's something we I talked about, I think, our first podcast is my worry about I was worried about Philly's D, um, and that may be something to keep an eye on moving oh, yeah. forward. But um, Farabee, I didn't know he was an American. If he keeps this up, he might be on the Olympic team That'd be awesome. uh, next year. Uh, but, I mean, the kid, he's 20 years old, and he's a, I'm looking at his profile on NHL.com, 164 pounds. I mean, that's tiny. Yeah. Imagine when he imagine when he puts a little weight on, becomes more like that, you know, becomes more of a man. He's going to be nasty. So He doesn't play um, like he's 164 pounds either. He plays like he's 220. Wow. So there you go. Flies around. Yeah. Just bumping into dudes. Great. Great news for Flyers fans right there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see when, uh, when they finally play a game again, they, I mentioned it, the games against the devils were already postponed right now. No word on the Rangers series this weekend. They play them starting Sunday and hopefully get those played and, and see what goes on. 
But moving on, we're into what we're calling the quick hitters now. We have some some fun stats, some interesting storylines, all this good stuff. Uh, we'll start with some streaks that we've been seeing going on. Tampa Bay, who we mentioned it, they had problems with COVID before even the podcast two weeks ago. They are on an absolute heater mark. They just beat up on the Predators. You mentioned it. They were there watching the Super Bowl. And they, they've kept it going. A solid win last night in a high-scoring affair, which you don't really think of of either Tampa Bay when they're at their best with Vasilevsky and Victor Hedman and those defensemen. And Nashville, a team that you never really thought of as a team that scores a ton of goals or, or allows a ton of goals. But Nashville kind of off a plateau and letting up a ton. But Tampa, absolute heater. And I don't know, this is just Tampa being Tampa. I'll just put it that way. I mean, yeah, we, we talked about it before uh, the season started. Tampa Bay being in this division, not playing the usual the Bruins and the people in the North, teams in the Northeast. Um, they're playing in the Central now. So that's huge for them. They're just completely dominating 9-1-1 and in 11 games. And a, like you said, six-game winning streak. Not surprising there. Uh, definitely a, a Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, so and then the opposite side of the spectrum are the Vancouver Canucks. R.I.P. to my Vancouver Canucks pick, Mark. They're on a five-game losing streak. Uh, I keep losing money on them. I keep thinking this is the game they're going to bounce back on. Uh, They keep seemingly every week or every night they play the fucking Maple Leafs, and the Maple Leafs beat the absolute shit out of them. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. About our picks, the Canucks look terrible. Holpe has not been great. Demko hasn't been that much better either. Their offense is shit. Their defense somehow, somehow, isn't very good. I don't know what happened to this team, Mark. They were darlings in the playoffs, and then they just fell off. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I predicted them to, to be in the playoffs this year, and they're second to last in their division. Um, they just need to play Ottawa more, I guess. I guess so, Toronto, yeah. but. Um, yeah, five game losing streak for them. Um, I guess Washington got rid of Holpe for a reason. They knew something that we didn't, um, but he has not looked good. Um, yeah, disappointing start for Vancouver. They have a lot of young studs over there. Uh, I mean, Quinn Hughes has a point of game right now on D. So I I don't know really what's going on with them. That's, uh, they're just getting smoked by Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton. The defense is lackluster. They're, Goal differential this year is minus 13. Um, that's not going to win you many games. So. Which is insane. I just uh, was dogging on their offense, and they're second in the Canadian division behind Edmonton, who is also a defensive nightmare. Both of them have over 50 goals and have both allowed over 50 goals. And they're just their defenses are terrible. It's insane to me. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they're, I guess the good news is that they're playing so bad right now, but they're only a game out of second of fourth place of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean they also played the most games too. So oh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, oh wow, yeah. The Winnipeg and Calgary and Montreal, they've only played twelve games. What's up with that? No wonder it seems like they're losing another, all this money on Vancouver. They've played all the time. It's another one of the quick hitters we have is that uh, this year it's not about how many wins, losses, and points you have. It's about your winning percentage um, to, you know, to help for teams that don't get to get many games in for COVID. So uh, division leaders for winning percentages, Tampa Bay, Vegas, Boston, and Toronto. All teams we all probably predicted would be in the playoffs uh, yeah. before the season started. 
I love it. I love the uh, the transition there. Another one of our quick hitters, though. Uh, we mentioned Ottawa a little bit there. Their farm team, not very good, Marco. They, uh, ugh. Dark days ahead in Ottawa, I guess. They couldn't really get out of them by trying to make these moves. I know. Uh, it's, it's a, yeah, farm team. They're almost like an AHL team. I mean, if we were playing in the English Premier League soccer, they'd be relegated next year. But, uh, yeah, 2-11-1 record. Minus oh, you meant just regular Ottawa. Oh, my God. I misread the notes here. Hey, you're just talking about Ottawa. Holy shit. Yeah, they're t- they, they yeah. are awful. I thought you were talking about, like, Bellevue. I'm like, how the hell? Like, the Phantoms have only played two games. I thought you were talking about the AHL. Um, my God, yeah, they've only won two games. They're just a fucking train wreck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have a lot of young studs. Um, Kachok, Stitzel, the German dude, uh, that Shabbat on D. Um, and they'll probably get the first pick next year. I don't know if, what prospects are out there like that they could get, like the next McDavid. I don't know if he's out there waiting for for them. But, um, yeah, that's uh, it's a disaster up there right now. And I feel bad for them just going up against you know, the Torontos, the Edmontons, the Montreals, night in and night out. Yeah, it's uh, we'll have to see what happens with that. Because Matt Murray, you know, Pittsburgh wanted to get him out of there, and I, I was – a little questioning of it being like, Hey, like he's just played bad for a year. Like don't trade him out of there, but good on Pittsburgh to do that. And, and that takes us to another quick hitter. The penguins have hired Brian Burke as their president of hockey operations and Ron Hextall, former flyers GM as their general manager. My initial reaction is they brought in two big, big brains to help this situation. I think they're going to do pretty well, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, heard Berkey on Spitting Chicklets podcast. I like, I like his swagger. I like his personality. Um, it's nice to see him back uh, with the team. Um, Providence, Rhode Island. Shout out to him being born there. Uh, yeah, Berkey's a great uh, hockey mind. And then Ron Hextall, like you said, um, also a great addition for the Penguins. Um, just a weird, weird what happened to them earlier, getting rid of their GM, just quitting on them. But um, yeah, glad, glad to see they found a quick replacement. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Pittsburgh almost with a 76ers like 2019 76ers like record, or it's 19 2020 of uh, undefeated at home and f- one five and one on the road. But yeah, I, what I really like about this move, getting back to it, is Berkey, a ton of experience. He's done a ton with a number of different teams, including winning a Stanley Cup in, in Anaheim. But he, he, I think, brings a little stability to Hextall, who he did a really good job in Philadelphia finding talent. And for the most part in drafting talent, uh, contract negotiations, aside of, of some certain characters that were in Philadelphia and some that still are here. Um, but, you know, he drafted a number of different dudes, Provorov, Konechny, Char- Carter Hart, Joel Farabee. He made the trade to get Joel Farabee with trading Braden Shen to St. Louis. Um, but he also, the big reason why he got ousted here, he refused to call up a number of different dudes that were sitting in the, in the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And, you know, the you, people got impatient with him trying to figure out vets and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think Berkey can cr- kind of bring him into the fold of, hey, you know, this is great. These are good dudes. I think maybe we bring this guy in and he, you know, I feel like that's a good tandem to kind of balance each other out of. You're not necessarily being erratic because I think they're both pretty rational and, and smart hockey minds. But I think it's going to go pretty well as a, as a Flyers fan. I'm a little worried to see the. Hextall revenge tour come across from the other side of the state, but we'll have to see what happens. 
if, I mean, first thing I thought of when these two were hired was I, I looked at the Penguins' record five, five, and one, and I don't think these guys are afraid to you know make a big deal. I, no. I think they'll hold on to Crosby, but uh, Malkin or Latang, uh, I could see something happening there if things don't turn around for the Pens. No, certainly not. And Burke certainly did that with the the Maple Leafs. You know, he made some splashier moves in kind of a weird period of time for the team. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're very fam- familiar with the trade tree videos that, that Sportsnet does on YouTube. Big fan of those. He's done a couple interviews of talking about some of the trades he made as the Leafs GM. So uh, those are definitely good ones to check out, too, for uh, other hockey-related content. Uh, they're fun, Mark. You find out some interesting tidbits or crazy things, like one's the, the Eric Lindros trade the Flyers made with the Nordiques and just how that kept developing and developing for the Avalanche. Very fun stuff. But, um, yeah, it, it'll be pretty cool to see. But moving on, continuing out with these these quick hitters, um, we mentioned Chicago. They found this goalie, Kevin Lankinen. Is that how you pronounce his last name, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, this guy, 5-1-3. Yeah, Kevin Lankinen, 5-1-3. Yeah. 9.33 save percentage. The Blackhawks, who we thought, you know, they had all this – this potential talent, we'll put it that way, of, you know, they had Malcolm Subban. They had all this different stuff that could have worked out. And, you know, injuries happen, COVID happens. And Lankinen comes in, and the Blackhawks now, on a three-game winning streak, they're 6-4-4, four, and four, they're sitting in the playoffs. Chicago fans are pumped about this guy, and they're pumped about the team. They're in a good spot. They have a negative goal differential, which doesn't really matter when you're, you know, in a division that we mentioned you know, Dallas isn't playing particularly well right now. They haven't played a ton of games, so that hopefully catches up for them. Um, you know, and, and Florida's on their, is off their rocker in second place right now with seven wins. But Carolina's not playing particularly well, despite having only played ten games. I, I think part of this is like COVID is kind of screwing things up because the Blackhawks can find their way into this thing. But they're, they have six wins. They have more regulation wins, which is I think is going to be the ultimate – like the biggest stat that no one's going to talk about until the last week of the season because it's the first tiebreaker. You know, this is it's a big deal that they're that they're figuring this out. And just like last year, if you let those vets in Chicago start to you know sniff blood in the water, they'll. I think they could figure something out and and, and get something done. I don't know necessarily if they win another round in the playoffs or make it to the you know through, but. If they're right on on pace to make the playoffs and they know they need to make a push, and this guy is on this much of a heater like an Elvis Merzlikens last year, watch out. Yeah, something about those Finnish goalies up there. I don't, I don't know. Like this Lankinen kid, time will tell if he can keep this pace up. But uh, Finland certainly knows how to produce goalies with guys like Pekka Rene, Tuka Rask, Mika Kippersoff back in the day, uh-huh. Niemi. Uh, Kerry Lettinen, like they have some talent over there in Scandinavia. So, um, yeah, happy for Chicago to replace Corey Crawford. Uh, but it's too early to tell to say that. That's true. Crawford's going to be a, a Hall of Famer, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, you don't have to remind me about Anti Niemi, the uh, 2010 Flyers. That was a, a tough way to end for that guy just coming out of nowhere. Um, more quick hitters. We have some, The you mentioned Jack Hughes. We mentioned some other guys that are having some great years up in Canada. We mentioned the Leafs just pounding on the Vancouver Canucks. Austin Matthews completely getting it done. 11 goals in 12 games. 
Jeff Petrie in Montreal, we've talked about him a couple times. It's a guy who came out and made an authority against the Penguins and the Flyers. And he's on an absolute hot streak, 14 points in 12 games. Both those guys, I wouldn't say I'm too surprised by Matthews, but Petrie being this good, this consistently, is awesome to see. This is a guy who's been around the league for a while, and it's it's good for him to uh, kind of make his mark known in the the NHL. Right, I know Petrie's 33 years old. I, I'd never really heard about him until last year in the playoffs, um, but I, he's yeah. the real deal. He what, what he's with North candidate right now. He's with the Oilers for a little bit, right? And then did he get traded or some weird. Um, yeah. yeah, Oilers like just that. can't hold on to their defensemen. No, they really can't. I, I don't know what their deal is. But speaking of the Oilers, McDavid and Dreitzeidel, the other night, they finished the game in the final five minutes and 45 seconds, uh, which included stoppages and timeouts. But they're guys who literally are putting the team on their back to finish this thing out. The Oilers finding themselves in a uh, interesting position. They're in the playoffs right now. They've played 15 games. They've played the second most behind the Canucks in their division. Uh, they have eight wins. All eight of them are in regulation, so that's good. But this team, we mentioned their defense is kind of all over the place, and part of it might be that they're trading away guys. But McDadle, McDavid and Dreitzeidel, I combine their names, McDadle, they are going to drag this team into the playoffs if they can. And, and they did win their first game without them scoring, but they're number one and number two. So they're in a very interesting place right now. Yeah, the Oilers won the other night for the first time without the, without those two getting a point since 2017. Nuts. Huh, pretty crazy to think about. But, yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, another thing, McDavid, 27 points, Dreisaitl, 25. Um, and this is interesting to me. I mean, McDavid's minus one, is plus minus, but Dreisaitl's plus 11. So who's the MVP of the team there? He, you know, I don't know. But uh, both both two of the best players in the world. Um, but yeah, Edmonton still can't stop pucks from going in their net. Nico Koskinen, uh, out of all goalies in the NHL, played at least 10 games. He has the second worst stats, um, only barely ahead of Matt Murray in Ottawa. But um, yeah, Edmonton's got to got to figure that out because uh, it'd be a shame if McDavid and Drysaddle, you know, can't make a deep playoff run because of their defense and goaltending. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. I mean, last year it really really bit him in the ass in the playoffs. They lost the Blackhawks and. I don't know. They haven't really been the same since that uh, that run against the Ducks in 2017 where, you know, there's the, the Kessler goal and all that sort of stuff, and, and they blow that lead. I don't know what it is. I don't know what sort of big splash needs to be made there, you know, if they need a uh, a Brian Burke-like blockbuster trade to uh, try to figure something out. It'd be a real shame to see one of those guys, you know, kind of just – waste away for a few more years and then something happens or you know what what it is if there's another guy like Nugent Hopkins or somebody needs to step up and and figure it out for him but it's a team definitely to keep an eye out on there was the first battle of Alberta last Saturday and you know when you know went over as you might expect there was one fight with uh Cassie and fighting the guy who uh loves the battle of Alberta so we'll we'll see what happens there's nine more of them Mark so we're we're going to get some entertainment whenever whenever NBC decides to finally air some Canadian games in America. Yeah, did you see that uh, clip with Matthew Kachuk getting the puck thrown at him? Oh, yeah, I did night? see that. Yeah, yeah, tell the, tell the listeners about that. I I don't know who did it to him, but, uh, yeah, I think the game was pretty much over. 
Um, somebody on, what was it, Edmonton? Yeah. Flipped the puck right at Kachuk when he was on his knees. Um, pretty disrespectful thing to do. Um, so I may keep an eye out for a big fight moving forward there. God, we just need a goalie fight. I want, if I could bet on goalie fights in the year, even right now, I'd take over 10. Like, by the time March 1st rolls around and these guys have seen each other so many fucking times, I mean, across the NHL, not just Edmonton and Calgary, but I think we're eventually going to start getting penalties on penalties on penalties. And we've seen some ticky-tacky games, or at least I have with the, watching the Flyers. Some games they let they let the players go. Others, a stick goes anywhere near a guy's armpit it's a hook or anything like that or anywhere near their hands it's a slash uh so we'll have to see i have a feeling that it's uh the referees are gonna really have their work cut out for them as the season keeps evolving yeah i mean they want they're calling a ton of penalties these days they want the power plays they want the goals but uh in the playoffs they tone it down a little bit and it becomes a lot more physical of a game um just as the st louis blues presented to everybody a couple years back but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed the NHL so far. It's been a weird thing, weird start with COVID, but uh, it's been pretty entertaining entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, anything else before we wrap this thing up? Uh, not much on my end. I mean, I think we've covered everything. Um, wish we had Greg here. Hopefully he's back next time we do this. But, oh, yeah. I'm uh, Jordan, sure he will it's been be. a pleasure. Yeah, man, I'm happy to have you on and happy to keep having you on as the season keeps evolving and going. We've kind of hammered out. Right now, we're going to keep doing it every other week. And if we need to do it more, if we feel the need to, or you guys want us to, let us know in the show notes and all that stuff. We will con- we will uh, up the frequency. But right now, every other week seems to be working pretty well. We have some storylines that seem to you know, you know, fully flesh themselves out as we uh you know go through the go through time and and all that good stuff so let us know and all that that stuff but subscribe to the podcast the bullpen card on itunes stitcher spotify wherever you get your podcasts all that stuff well for mark higgins i am jordy cannell the g-man have a great week and a great weekend and let's go flyers let's go bruins see you later everyone